Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with his defender. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time, knowing that really all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the AFC Here We Go podcast. Uh, my name is Martin Clunas, I'm your host for this week. As always, we've got an absolutely action-packed show for you. Uh, so joining me, I have, as always, um, the most regular guest we've ever had on this podcast. It's Richard Hay. How are you doing, Richard? Am I a guest? You're a, we're all guests, really. Oh, that's very profound. Yeah. I think. Yeah. How are you, Richard? I'm <laughs> good, thank you. I'm very good. Uh, yeah, I was at both games this week. Um, feared the worst of it uh, Tuesday night. And, um, well, Easter Road, we kind of almost always win there, don't we? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's almost a given now. I mean, I don't know. They should just give us the three points and not make us bother going down there. Um, also joining us this week, we have Merchandiser to the Stars, uh, programme cover designer as well, Dolly Digital, a.k.a. Mark Elric. How are you doing, Mark? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. That's always a, always a pleasure to have you on. It's great to have you back, Mark. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be invited. So thank you again for that. We should obviously get this out of the way. Um, it is just a coincidence that Mark is on the show this week, um, despite the fact that Richard and I are both on the cover of the upcoming Rangers game programme. Um, there's no bribes going on there. Uh, we are slightly blurred, so we just want to get that clarified, OK? Are you clarifying that to yourself or to me or to... <laughs> we just want to clarify it to people out there that's like they'll say, oh, oh Dolly's on, oh, it's because he, he put those two idiots on the front of the programme. So I just want to get that out of the way. In fairness, there are about 900 people on the front of the cover, probably more. So <laughs> Hunters, hunters. Hunters, exactly. So I don't, I don't really think we, we have been signalled out specially, Martin, as much as you might want to think that. So we're going to get things underway, and like I say, action pack show tonight. Firstly, we're going to go to, well, the transfer deadline day action. As always, the window slammed shut. There was a bit of murmuring. Nobody came in on transfer deadline day, of course. We did see some action before that. Um, obviously, Max Lowe came back, Greg Stewart came in. But we did see Scott Wright go out on loan, Bruce Anderson go out on loan, and Mark Reynolds go out on loan. What were your thoughts on the action on the fi- on the final day? Oh, mate, social media is the absolute worst, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it's bad enough anyway, but add deadline day, totally manufactured nonsense, the deadline day to the mix. And it's barely bearable, frankly. And I'm sure the manager would agree if he wasn't kind of in firefighting mode in a press conference that we're probably one short. He's probably one body short. I think letting Scott Wright go is a good thing for his development, but it maybe leaves us one short in an attacking sense. And I think definitely, obviously, the attempt to get in Lewis uh, Morgan and um, the rumoured attempts to uh, try and resurrect a deal to get Johnny Hayes back 
probably show that that was sort of the plan to uh, to loan Scott Wright out to enhance his development, to be, get some cover in there. Because Scott Wright's been used not a huge amount of time, but he's he's had round about the same amount of game time as James Wilson has had this season. So it's not like he's been uh, completely absent. I mean, the manager's press conference on Friday. Obviously, he's he's wanting to create a positive picture. He's wanting to uh, keep a positive mood up. He wants to reassure everyone that yeah, things are going to be fine for the second half of the season. So I kind of get where he's coming from, but I, I'm sure privately he'd agree. But we're probably just that that one body short. Elsewhere, it's almost inevitable that as soon as we kind of went with a slightly tighter squad, we'd have a couple of injuries this weekend. Hopefully, they're nothing too serious. I think there was also a lot of disquiet about, um, he said in Friday's press conference, yeah, we're a bit light on defenders over the next week until obviously we get our two first choice centre-halves back and obviously having let Mark Reynolds go out and loan on Thursday. But again, that simply comes down to a fact is, do you keep Mark Reynolds to sit on the bench? And hey, he might not even have made it onto the bench because obviously Don Ball was there. Or do you let him go out, play some games, hopefully resurrect his career at Dundee United for the last few months of the season? Uh, I think, as far as the bigger picture goes, I think he's done the right thing. Uh, certainly by Mark Reynolds, he's done the right thing. And, yeah, who knows what will happen between now and May. But um, we do still have plenty of people who can fill in at centre-half. I mean, look at the two guys who played on Saturday. They did a they did a very, very good job, uh, Tommy Hobart in particular. He called it a, a really good po- uh, transfer window, but not a perfect transfer window. We underestimate what we brought in because Max Lowe despite my earlier misgivings has has fitted in brilliantly and he's definitely enhanced the first 11 I think Greg Stewart also has that ability to enhance the first 11 and I think that's been key there's one thing bringing in a squad filler just so we've got somebody on the bench but hey it's going to have to be like a kid like Ethan Ross or somebody else that will step up should we get injury problems and that's great that's what people wanted to see in Max Lowe and Greg Stewart, we've got two guys that can really enhance that uh, that starting eleven and make a difference and win us games, hopefully. Again, Greg Stewart, probably the best player in the SPFL Premiership in the first half of the season, and we've managed to pick him up for the second half of the season. That is a great bit of business, an underrated bit of business. That is one thing, Mark, um, that came from Derek's press conference on Friday. Um, it seems to be that he's, he's, he's happy having quality rather than quantity. He's right to kind of just try and keep this, this, the quality players there that he has. Um, it is unfortunate that we're going to be short, but as Richard says there, you know, like Reynolds goes out, he's not been getting a game anyway, so it's not really like we're losing anyone, is it? No, no. I mean, Reynolds, Reynolds is out all season. His recuperation is over. I'm sure he's dying to have a game, dying for the games. I, th- I think probably a, a loan out is the only way that he would be guaranteed games. And he's, he's went to... He's went to Tandice and he's the captain now, so he's he's kind of going to be guaranteed games down there, and that's that's what he wants. I think deadline day as an Aberdeen fan is just like any other whatever day it fell on, any other Thursday. It's not it's not really much excitement that happens if you're an Aberdeen fan. We all want a, a marquee signing. We all want to get excited about a new striker, a new creative midfielder. Um, I think what you've got to do is is look and see: are you as a team are we stronger than we were? When the window opens, so on Hogman Air, are we are we stronger now than we were then? And I think we probably are. Fixing up Lowe again, that's brilliant. He's he's head and shoulders the best uh, the best left back in Scotland, I think, at the moment. Like Richard said, bringing in Greg Stewart, he he kind of fills that 
Kenny McLean shaped hole that we're missing and you've kind of seen that in the last few days as well Scott Wright he should have probably went on loan before now I think he should have probably went on loan last year again for his development uh, maybe even 18 months ago and Bruce Anderson like what is it with young players scoring against Rangers and then getting shipped out at the next window though like it happened with Frank Ross it's happened with Bruce Anderson and again further development brilliant yeah, I mean, obviously both Anderson and Wright scored at the weekend. And, and some people have used that to, to point score against the manager. Oh, sh- they should be doing that in Aberdeen colours. But, I, I mean, with the best ball in the world, there were things which James Wilson brought to our performance on Saturday that neither Scott Wright or uh, Bruce Anderson were able to would had been able to do. In fairness, Bruce Anderson might have been able to finish uh, the second chance which uh, James Wilson um, scored right at full time on, on Saturday. I think that's a valid criticism. He certainly should have scored that one, if not the earlier one. He didn't show a great deal in the games he started, but he, it's not as if he had like month upon month of playing as a regular starter and not delivering the goods. It's It's been a strange one. I mean, obviously, we know that uh, the manager prioritises certain qualities, hard work, diligence, making sure you um, turn up for, you know, turn up and really uh, demonstrate what you've got in training every day. James Wilson has is, is maybe been guilty of not doing that. Obviously, we're not privy to that. But certainly to, to guys like Stevie May are, are very much more typical, I think, Derek McInnes players, wholehearted, willing to give their all, willing to adapt to a lot of different uh, tactical setups. But in fairness to Wilson... He could have totally, um, you know, given it the whole wobbly lip stuff, especially like on Tuesday night, he comes on and has like three minutes at Stenhouse Muir, which, you know, to, to someone with the wrong attitude, he could absolutely take a wobbly lip to that. But he came on on Saturday, came on early on Saturday, and the interplay of him and Stewart was great, I think. It helped us really not just retain the ball, but get up the pitch really well. And we'll speak more about that when we come around to properly speak about the Hibs game, but... It's interesting, you know, we're so, so quick, I think, just generally to, to write players off, to write new signings off. And nobody's quicker than the manager, it has to be said. If somebody's been brought in, it doesn't matter if they've been brought in for money, for cash, it's one of the kind of bigger signings in the transfer window. If they're not delivering, generally speaking, McInnes will move them on pretty quickly. But James Wilson, I, I think, is, a, is an example of, you know, we still have some quality beyond just our first eleven. And the best way for the young guys like Anderson and Wright to, to reach their potential, to reach you know what they can reach, is to go out at this point in time and get some game time. So we'll move on to our first game we're going to be discussing. Uh, obviously the, the cup replay down at Stenhouse Muir. Uh, now, we spoke about this last week, Richard. Um, you Obviously you were down there. Um, we did just speak about it saying that it was pretty much a case of just getting down there and getting the job, getting the job done. And... No, that's really what it was. You know, a really good first half performance, nice early goal, just to settle things. Once that first goal was was done, you know, it really was. I mean, I think it was it was a really professional performance. It's exactly the kind of thing you need when you're playing a lower league side in a cup replay. Yeah, first half was good. Uh, there was a bit of intent about it. I think in the first game we've been guilty of just knocking it pretty aimlessly between the centre backs and not really um, getting the ball forward into areas where we can hurt them. Scott Wright, who was a bit surprised that who started on Tuesday, given the murmurings about him going away on loan, even at that point, 
he did very well for the first goal. It's a good finish by Namagin, and that really settles any nerves. Stanismir barely made it over our halfway line in the first half, which was exactly the response that uh, you'd expect Aberdeen to, to get. I think the in terms of the attitude and the approach, maybe the first 10-15 minutes of the second half wasn't spot on from Aberdeen. That, I think, also you have to give a little bit of credit to Stenhouse Muir. They changed up the way that uh, they approached things. They were much more in our face, much further up the pitch, and did things which clearly unsettled us a bit. It's disappointing to have lost the goal. It jolted us enough to uh, regain a bit of control of the match. Yeah, thankfully at that thankfully at that point, Mark, the game was you know the game was pretty much um, over as a contest anyway. Uh, well, I want to talk about Greg Stewart though. Um, really one of the top performers for us on that day, uh, right at the centre of pretty much everything good that came from us uh, against Stenhouse Muir. A really good goal as well. It's always good to get a guy who's, you know, I say a new signing. Um, obviously, he is. He's been away. Um, it's good for him to get a goal under his belt. A um, bit of confidence there. Uh, you know, we can we we can see now exactly the kind of player we're getting there. It's probably the perfect game for Greg Stewart. Uh, come in relatively new, low league. See if you can get yourself a goal. He looks like he enjoyed it. Um, it was a great goal, actually. Brilliant turn. Nice little dink over the keeper. Somebody like, let's say, Stevie May would have maybe squared it to, to an attacker coming in. His confidence isn't isn't that high, but Greg Stewart took his goal very well. Yeah, perfect for him. Also, going back to Scott Wright as well, it's, it's quite ironic. He probably had one of his better games for us, and then the next day he's he's away. Yeah, I think the, the concern about Scott Wright up to this point has always been that he's been able to look very good against slightly weaker opposition in the league uh, part of this mm. in particular he takes a severe dislike to um, <laughs> but has maybe struggled and he's been given opportunities in big games against bigger opponents I mean obviously he started the League Cup semi-final at Hamden um, to just pick one game and he's um, he's really struggled I think on those occasions so he's going into an environment with Dundee right now where every game is a big game there can't be any coasting so it'll be really interesting to see how he gets on over the next couple of months. I think mm. whilst we're talking about the guys who went out the door, um, Mark Reynolds is obviously out of contract at the end of the season. And I think, again, people have been far too quick to dismiss the importance of Mark Reynolds to, to Derek McInnes' time at the club, in all honesty. Um, I mean, those first two seasons, 13-14 and 14-15, First one mainly with Russell Anderson and the second one with Ash Taylor. It was just a sea change in in, in what had gone before at centre half in terms of the quality of players that we brought in and he did a really, really solid job. He, I think the injury that he picked up in Macedonia really kind of impacted him and knocked him back quite a bit. But he still played quite a lot in sixteen seventeen. Again, very useful contributor. And um even towards the end of last season when he had maybe struggled for game time because of the emergence of uh, Scott McKenna taking over that left-sided centre-back role. I mean, he comes in, he plays three games. Okay, he gives away a penalty kick against Hibs, which wasn't great. But in the three games he came in and played, which included Kamarnik away and Celtic away, we didn't concede a goal. Just reliable, solid, and um, to use a Calderwoodism uh, a really good guy to have around the dressing room, uh, dressing room, which I'm sure Mark can speak more to. I knew you were going to say good to have around the place and in the dressing room and stuff, and I think I think definitely and brilliant, even for somebody like McKenna, who, okay, he's, he's clocking up the games, but to have somebody like Reynolds with his experience to lean on and to even just discuss things, and uh, you know, I, I don't think there's anything to be questioned about McKenna's. Uh, 
diligence to the job and uh, dedication to it. But having somebody like Reynolds there is surely a good thing for McKenna's development as well. And I, I'm glad you brought up the, like, the last three games of last season because I thought Reynolds uh, excelled really then. So he still has something to offer. I, I think he's 31 years old. You know, for a centre half, he's still got five years in him, six years in him, possibly. I'm glad to see him go, you know. And I think uh, I think you guys or maybe Martin alluded to to paste ups, and that's that's where I primarily will be missing him for. But I'd like to reiterate that he is the Aberdeen Banksy, and we were just assisting him. <laughs> I also think, like maybe if if Lowe hadn't went away, if Lowe hadn't come back, sorry, uh, I think maybe Reynolds could have tied up that left back spot. I don't know if that's something we haven't really tested that, but I still think he could do a job there. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, when he did play at the end of last season, at least one of those games was at left-back against Hibbs, I think. Um, he played centre-half against Celtic because McKenna was out suspended. But um, it, it was definitely an option. It was Obviously, it's a role which favours someone who's uh, got pace, and, and Reynolds always did. And uh, maybe taking him away from the, the more physical battle in the centre of, uh, of the pitch, given the nature of some of his injuries uh, lately, might have been might have been a wise move. Maybe I'm calling it too soon. Maybe I'm writing him off too soon. Um, I certainly hope he, he goes on and has the career he, he wants to have over the next couple of years uh, and plays the football he wants to do. But, you know, he's a, he's a smart lad. He's switched on. He's got his uh, post-football qualifications uh, ongoing, if not complete. So, you know, I'm sure he'll be fine in whatever he does next. Um, he brought professionalism, I think, and he definitely... Uh, a level above, as I say, the quality of player that had been brought in before. Important to note, it, it was Craig Brown who brought him in. Uh, didn't always get the best out of him necessarily. You could argue the same about Johnny Hayes and Lamb again. Also Craig Brown signings. But certainly, under Derek McInnesy, flourished for those first two seasons. Of course, one final thing we have to mention about this Stenhouse Muir game, Mark, is, well, possibly, possibly the greatest own goal in the history of Aberdeen Football Club. It's up there with Reggie Blinker, is it? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, a, oh, it's a peach. It's brilliant. Anything that goes in off the bar is just uh, it's just magnified in its greatness. And uh, yeah, he, he, the lad took it well. <laughs> <laughs> you have to feel terrible for him, though, don't you, Richard? I mean, no, it's like I saw Logan had gone over to him to say, "Can I can commiserate with him and make sure he was all right?" Because um, it's the kind of thing that could have really shattered a young guy's confidence. Aye, it was a, it was. Um, let's face it, it. Let's be clear: the away support weren't very kind to him afterwards either. <laughs> um, it was kind of like you know, the Sam Cosgrove Ballon d'Or song got adopted for number three because obviously <laughs> no one really knew his name at the time. Uh, but yeah, the Shea Logan obviously goes up to him um, before any of his teammates have actually. But it was the most bizarre thing because there's absolutely no pressure on him. No one near him. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a peach of a finish. If your striker did that, you'd be praising him because it's pinpoint, really pinpoint. Absolutely up there with Reggie Blinker. At least Reggie Blinker, you kind of understood what he was doing. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of shared the blame there between him and his goalkeeper. But, jeez, jeez, oh. Um, and it came at a point where there were a few grumbles in the away end, it has to be said, at the way we started the second half. And then after that, it was very plain sailing until the end. Most memorable moment of my night in, um, at Ockleview. Um, although the catering, I must give a shout out to, uh, you know, I was looking forward to the pies. I've got to say that the pies, apart from the macaroni pies, had run out by the time I got to the front of the queue, which was a disappointment. But the broth, the Scotch broth that uh, was on offer that night, that, that, more than made up for my pie sadness. 
Soup at the fit bar. Oh, I out of a pot, out of a steaming pot. It was fantastic, Mark. You'd have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no. Yeah, we were going to go for bottle, but the soup, it was a game changer. A total game changer. Maybe that's something we can take on board for Ptodvi then and get the the urn of broth on the go. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, if you want to get more folk along with Ptodvi, cheap tickets has been tried, doesn't really work. Big pot of good soup. That's that's really, I think, what we should go for next. Sodexo will still burn it. <laughs> well, we had, we had Pygate a couple of seasons ago, so we'll maybe have Brothgate this season. <laughs> when I was in the main stand for the Southampton, uh, not the Southampton game, the first game against Tenex Muir, someone told me in advance that you can get stovies in there. Yeah. Where? Because I, I could not find... The Stovey counter. So I would like to know this because I might be going back to the main stand for Queen of the South on Sunday. So if anyone can, you know, tweet in or write in, um, write in like it's the 1980s. Um, but um, just let us know where about in the main stand do you allegedly get these Stoveys? Because I, for one, would really be keen to know that. The shop nearest the nearest the Merkland end. Right. So the one up the stairs, yeah. Uh, the one at the Kilmarnock, because we were at the, there for the Kilmarnock game last season where the where the South had to be closed because of the weather, um, and we had the Stovies then. Absolute game changer. Okay. I don't I don't want to I I, I don't want to blow anyone's minds here, but uh, you get you get Stovies in the RDS. Do you? When did that happen? You, well, this season you've been uh, able you to see, get we have abandoned the RDS since the start of the season, so there you go. Uh, okay. Okay. Fine. <laughs> yeah, the, the scum scum like me that sit in the south stand get, no, don't get anywhere near stuff like stuff like stovies. So no, we didn't have any pot food left uh, after thirty minutes of the Kamarnik game, Martin. So you know, <laughs> I didn't I didn't say the stovies were hot. I just said they sell stovies. <laughs> right. Uh, we shall move on to talk about some actual football. No, uh, people don't listen to this for football. <laughs> Well, well, what what we'll do is later on in the season we'll start we'll take a poll and we'll do one of those kind of like World Cup of away away stadium foods or something. How about that? That will that will that appease you? Sounds good. good. I'll do the graphics. Brilliant. Cool. <laughs> so so we'll go on to, we'll, we'll go to Saturday's game. Uh, away at Hibs, we've got a really good record down there as we alluded to earlier on. So Richard, of course, we we'll get down there. You see the lineups come out, obviously. Scott Wright is out with the starting eleven. Uh, Neil McGinn also goes out. Stevie May and Garam Kai Stephen come in. Now Stevie May comes in. Watching the game back, I was watching it back early on this morning. Stevie May, I think, comes in. You know, the amount of hard work he does for the team. I think. I think. You know, he gets a lot of criticism because you don't. He's one of these players where I don't think you see. You really see what he does. He just. He's a hard worker. He gets in there. He gets in good positions. I know, not not necessarily in the same style, but in the way that kind of Willow Flood was was underappreciated, shall we say. Stevie may not be the same type of player, but I think there is that thing where he comes in for a game like this, where and we did have a diff- slightly different formation, which I'm sure we can we can come to in a moment. But it was a very smart move by McInnes to bring in Stevie May for this one. I think if you look back at the lineup lineups against Hebs uh, over the last two seasons, uh, Gary McCarthy Stephen has obviously done them a lot of damage, and Stevie May has always been in there, even if he's not been in the side in the games leading up to it. May has been brought in almost always for the for these games. And done well in them as well. I mean, there's still a part of me that ultimately all strikers are going to get judged on their goal scoring record. And as a striker, it, it's been a concern. And I think Mark alluded to it earlier. You kind of feel when he's in a position in which uh, the goal is there for him, 
it's not even the first thing on his mind anymore. When he was at his absolute peak in that season with St Johnston, it would just be bang, the ball would be hit, it would be in the net before you even think about it. But it's, he's just not doing it as routinely and as regularly as you would hope right now. But he's definitely contributing to a lot to the team, and that's unquestionable. I spoke earlier about James Wilson maybe being the guy that's on the same wavelength as Greg Stewart. And I think Stevie May and Sam Cosgrove are the guys that are on the same similar wavelength. So, I think when Cosgrove plays to get the best out of him, Stevie May probably has to play. Mark, we concede a goal after, what, 10 minutes in the game. You know, we did have, they'd given us a warning a few minutes before that as well. Um, The midfield was caught Ken out of position, centre halves weren't really didn't really close down and shot. It was, I mean, in fairness to shot, it was a pretty good strike from him as well. Um, let's give credit where credit's due. But um, we were the the victims of our own downfall in that one. I'm not sure if our midfielder out of position, like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a simple ball forward. Yeah, nobody closes down Shaw, so the the centre backs are probably more to blame than the the midfield. Although at the time I was blaming midfield, but I've since went back and had a little look at it. And we're, we're maybe flat-footed. I don't think we're out of position. That maybe served as well for the rest of the game, because I, I certainly don't think our midfield put a, a foot wrong after that. Ferguson and Shinny were assured in the middle, and they didn't really allow that type of ball to come through again. Mark's absolutely right. From that point on, the two of them in there, Shinny and Ferguson, were, were tremendous. I mean, we didn't have a failure on Saturday. We really didn't. And that extends to the manager as well, who tactically got things absolutely right, I think. The key to us winning probably is getting back on level terms almost immediately. It, it's some really good work, I think, just to keep things alive, keep the ball in there. Um, after the initial chance from Sam Cosgrove is cleared off the line, Mackay Stephen does well. And it's a great reach by Andy Considine as well to knock it in. I think that was absolutely critical to, to making sure that we went on to win the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's obviously so important to hit back hit back really early. After that first 10 minutes as well, I mean, you're right to, we're right to single out Shady and Ferguson. Um, I did think, Mark, I thought that Tommy Hoban had a, had a great game as well. Um, a guy who you know, has come in to the side after a long injury. Um, and you can see that there's there's a real player in there as well. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think you can single out just Hoban though. I think no. I think we were we were all great. We we're great across the back. We we're good in the middle. We we're good up front. I think it's probably one of the most aggressive performances I've seen from an Aberdeen team. Like we often kind of yeah, we need a shit house in the middle of the pitch, or we need to kind of do this, we need to do that. But we were controlled aggression, though. It was it was controlled aggression. We we're getting in. We we're winning the fifty fifties. We we're I, th- I think we were assured, but mostly really aggressive, which I love to see. You ask anybody to mention the first word that comes to mind about Aberdeen football team, and aggression is not going to be the one that comes to it. I don't think anyway. But we're certainly getting that, and I think you need that when you go to somewhere like Easter Road. I think that's. I think controlled aggression is a really good phrase to use there, Richard. I mean, you can see the post-match reaction from a lot of the Hibs support. Um, we really have. We really have broken them. <laughs> we? Um, we live inside the, their heads, absolutely rent absolutely. I mean, it's, it's 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 bad enough. Unfortunately, we can't. We don't own Neil Lennon's head anymore. But um, <laughs> would you want to? to? <laughs> well, he, he was he he was kind of broken bias as well. But the Hibs fans really are. They're really struggling after that one. Another one where you know, all for all their great football, they can't seem to buy a result against us. Yeah, I might be editing the references to Neil Lennon's headspace out of this. But, <laughs> um, in in fairness, there have been times we've gone there and we have totally shit-fested our way to, to uh, a point or maybe all three. Probably, from my memory, more so in the Calderwood years when 
routinely we'd go there and have like two shots in goal for the whole game later 36 and we come out somehow come out with a 2-1 win but there's no denying that you know we were the um more effective more adventurous really as well you know the, the fact that our possession on in the second half on and 69% seems high to me having been there but the fact that our possession in the second half wasn't just in really really comfortable areas you know we were playing it with a lot of assurance in their area of the pitch as well be really interesting to see if anywhere has got stats about which you know third of the pitch had the most activity because i thought we looked a threat throughout the 90 minutes. And even when Gleason came on, it changed it needed making because um, they were having their best spell of the game at that point. And it was also fairly brave because we had to go 30 minutes with having used all our subs, obviously. I mean, that change, the minute it was done, you know, obviously on Twitter we get some eject saying, oh, game management. It, it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a defensive move. It was a move that allowed us to have more control of the game and it wasn't as if we then spent the last half hour camped on the edge uh, on the edge of our box. We we were very sensible with the ball. We broke, and if anyone was going to score again, it was absolutely going to be us. Um, obviously, we missed the penalty kick, and I I really feel if we if we'd scored that, it could comfortably have been four or five one because that really would have broken them at that point. Mark Richard mentions uh, stats there. Um, some of them I thought was an interesting stat, which um, goes to show that you can never believe the BBC stats is that we apparently only had three shots on target yesterday. Um, now, there were three shots on target for our second goal. Um, now, good, great following in um, for the second goal to come in, uh, which I suppose you always always look for, you know. Um, it was a decent decent stop by the keeper at first, and Mackay Stephen manages to eventually get it home. Uh, that kind of work where you just know, they're following in for shots. They're you know, looking for that goal. And like say, furthering on from what you were saying earlier about kind of controlled aggression, it's like getting in there, that desperation to get into goal was really one of the many things that saw us through yesterday. I think there was three or four for the first goal as well. Like, you know, if, if they're saying there was only two, three shots on goal, I think there was at least six or seven for the, for the two goal incidents. Um, and... and it, yeah, it, I suppose it does come down to controlled aggression and assuredness to keep a hold of the ball. Um, and we scored down there. Was it not Hoban's goal as well? That was kind of like a bit of a, a couple of a couple of efforts before that got prodded over the line on the was it opening game of the season, one of the first games of the season anyway. Now, unfortunately, Richard, we did suffer a couple of injuries yesterday. Sam Cosgrove had to go off. Um, apparently, he'd felt a twinge that he'd, he'd felt in training. Um, and they thought they could get him through it. And Joe Lewis had to go off. Um, his 100% record um, has been broken. James Wilson comes on for Sam Cosgrove. And Thomas Cherney, uh, as, you point, as you pointed out yesterday, Thomas Cherney doesn't win the Neil Alexander Splinter in Your Arse Award. Um, which, is, which is a shame for him. It's a, it's a highly sought-after trophy. Uh, but both of them did really well. Specifically, Thomas Cherney, which I think does show the, the merit in having a guy who has got you know an absolute heap of minutes in the Premier League under his belt. Came on, and you know this wasn't an, an inexperienced young lad. This was a guy who fitted straight in. Yeah, it's about finding someone that's uh, willing to come in and play that role, though, like Neil Alexander. I think Neil Alexander, obviously, was a slightly, diff- slightly different kettle of fish in that he and Joe Lewis came to the club at the same time. So no one could have predicted just what a success Joe Lewis was going to be at that point. Um, last season we went generally with Danny Rogers on the bench and then when 
Joe Lewis got injured, we decided mm, we don't really want to go ahead with Danny Rogers as number one. I suspect if, um, I mean, obviously we're outside the transfer window now, we we still would be available to get a keeper in on an emergency loan. But I suspect um, if Joe Lewis was to be out for the run of games, which hopefully he won't be, that we would go with Thomas Channing, just like we would have gone with Neil Alexander a couple of years ago. Credit the team that neither substitution really impacted or hold on the game quite as much as you would have thought. You know, obviously early on the tactic was to try and hit Sam quite long and, and try and get us up the pitch that way. But James Wilson comes on and, and we adapt really well. And um, obviously we get 2-1 up so it allows us to be slightly more counter-attacking and use his pace. But... He had a really, really good game. I was really impressed with him. Um, obviously, people will point and say he should have scored right to death. Yes, he should have done. But I, I thought he really pushed his claim to start on Wednesday, even if uh, Sam Cosgrove is available. Um, I think the other thing, Thomas Cherney didn't have a great deal to do, but yet, solid in what he did. And, um, yeah, a guy who knows this league inside out, knows what it demands, knows the physicality, isn't going to get freaked out. I think there's a, um, if you look at the highlights, there's a brilliant shot of, um, it's just before a save uh, from a corner where he punches it wide. Uh, and you see the the shot of the box just before it's uh, coming in, the corner's coming in, and he's, he's pushing the, uh, the Hibs player out of the way. He knows that this is a physical league. He knows what it takes to be successful in it. And I think that's a really important point. We spoke about Lewis Ferguson earlier on as well. Of course, Lewis Ferguson, Mark, won us the penalty. Um, good, great work from No Bartlett through a couple of players to get in the box. Um, leaves it leaves the deg leg dangling out, but there was definite contact, 100% a penalty. Unfortunately, Gary McKay-Steven misses. Uh, now we don't have we, we don't miss many penalties even going going back as far as the great Adam Rooney we know we're, we're fairly we're fairly assured in terms of in the, from the penalty spot um, but no I, I'm not a great penalty from Gary uh, it has to be said um, no it wasn't it didn't take much it wasn't a, an excellent save from the keeper anyway um, and no him and me had a wee squabble over who was going to get to take it as well um, but you think that no thankfully um, it didn't really hurt us but. Um, you'd be looking for better from Mackay Stephen. I knew where he was going to put it. <laughs> like, I just like Mackay Stephen does that. That he, he he usually buries it away. He, it, it's tight in the corner. It's with pace. I knew it was going in that corner. If I knew that, the Hibs keeper probably knew that. But he didn't have the pace on it. He didn't have the accuracy on it. Um, they should have like Cosgrove's our penalty taker now, I suppose. And they should know who is next in line to take that, whether it's May or GMS. And to be fair, they both have a good record. I, I don't recall either of them missing a penalty recently. Um, but they should probably be a bit more professional about that and know who's taking it. Give it to May. May, May needs goals. Yeah, I don't know if um, Cosgrove would be the penalty taker because, I mean, he was on penalties only when Dermot Stephen wasn't playing and Stevie May was off the pitch. So I think probably before Saturday, Cosgrove was probably third in line, but uh, I don't know. But the, the fact is, we've done really, really well at penalty kicks under Derek McInnes. We've only missed a handful, and that includes in penalty shootouts. Yes, you should score from a penalty. It's not as bad a penalty kick as it maybe looks in first instance. There's a bit of power behind it, which you can see from the angle behind the goal. Um, and the keeper's, by the time he gets to it, a fair way off his line as well, which probably makes it look closer to the centre than it actually is. But but yeah, from a penalty kick, you should score, clearly. 
And as you mentioned earlier on, Richard, no, um, you know, you're really impressed with with James Wilson. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of good work from him. Um, but that chance at the death, unfortunately, no, you really, you, you, that's the kind of thing that people are going to remember. Um, rather than, you know, when, when we were talking earlier on about Bruce Anderson and people we said about giving young guys a chance, rather than these guys in on loan, that's that, that miss from James Wilson. That's the kind of thing people are going to remember, isn't it? Well, unfortunately, yes, which is a, a shame because people won't remember the, the run he made from his own half, taking out two hips players and and uh, getting a good shot away, which was well saved by the keeper's feet um, about 20 minutes before it. And, I mean, it's obviously, again, it's really good movement, really good timing of the pass from Greg Stewart to play him in. And he, he should score. He'll know himself he should score. And um, But I don't think that should detract from um, his Overly from his performance on on Saturday, and I think Derek McInnes was saying something along the same lines in his post match uh, interview as well that he was he was pleased with what Wilson was able to contribute, and he'd spoken to him in the dressing room and said not to be too disheartened by the fact he didn't score those goals. I think against teams that are going to come out and uh, try and attack us, I think he's a tremendous option, which means that in a lot of the home games, maybe he is not the right option. Because uh, we are going to see a lot of teams come up here and do what Kamarnik did the other week. But maybe on Wednesday night, I think that's one of the few sides uh, that are due to visit Pitordry between now and the end of the season that uh, will come out and uh, be a little higher up the pitch. And I think that's where fin- uh, Ferguson and Shinny come in as well with that uh, aggression in the centre. And having an outlet like uh, Wilson could be heaven sent. I mean, I always felt when they brought in uh, Miles Story that Miles Story was unlikely to succeed in the majority of Aberdeen games because we would very often come up against a team, particularly at home, who were just going to sit in and try and spoil things. I don't think Miles really had the sort of trickery in his arsenal which would help unlock sides, but he was maybe someone who could play away from home in a European game or away from home against the Celtic or the Rangers, and uh, damaged them. But unfortunately, it was quite clear fairly early on that he, he probably wasn't really good enough to to do that sort of damage against the better teams. Whereas at Cali, obviously you're playing against teams most weeks who are going to come out and try and attack you, but maybe don't have that quality at the back. So, I mean, that could be a complete misreading, but I think that's probably where James Wilson is going to be most effective between now and the end of the season. So certainly at Easter Road... Maybe when we go to Tynecastle uh, at the end of March as well, possibly Wednesday night, and then um, yeah, maybe maybe at Parkhead too. Well, you mentioned Wednesday night there, Richard. So there's no better time to move on to the visit of the Rangers to Pitodry. Slick. Yeah, we've um, we've got a great yeah we've got a great chance on Wednesday here because uh, a win puts us above them in the league um, into second place. It is a worry though, Mark. Uh, possibly could be without Joe Lewis. Uh, Scott McKenna and of course Michael Devon so your first choice centre halves are missing no, as we mentioned earlier Tommy Hoban uh, not a bad replacement to have in there he's he's, no, he's looked pretty good so far uh, we'll, we're still waiting to find out if there's any update on Lewis hopefully it's just a little bit of cut of above his eye there's nothing, nothing serious there a little bit of a concern though because you're going to come up against uh, a team who are going to uh, as we saw in the first game of the season uh, from Morelos particularly a guy who's going to, go, going, to, going to want to try and get stuck into the centre halves I'd like to think McInnes already knows whether Lewis will play whether or who will play centre back whether Cosgrove will start I'd like to think we already know that and uh, it'll do us no harm making them wonder 
making Steven Gerrard think, well, who is going to play? Who is going to start? Obviously, I want I want Lewis to, to start. He's been amazing for us since he's been here. Uh, we need our strongest team out there, uh, certainly, to beat them. They're, they're a foreign team as well at the moment. Um, at the start of the season and when we played them uh, later on, they weren't particularly... They weren't on fire, I suppose. They're not really on fire at the moment either. But um, they are they are on form. They're as, they're as good as we are at the moment in recent times, I suppose. So it should be a, a, an interesting game. I think in fairness, when we played them at Ibrox, they were, either, they were top, weren't they? So um, that's probably a form team. But um, what I'm really disappointed, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, probably. What I'm really disappointed <laughs> about is that Scott McKenna probably won't play on Wednesday because he can push Morales's buttons at will. That said, Graham Shinney was quite effective at doing that at Ibrox as well, so it really doesn't take much to push the buttons of that idiot. So, um, clearly you want, you, you want your best players available. Um, there's a little bit of a concern that uh, you're going with a backup centre-half pairing potentially a backup goalkeeper. But having seen what Hoban and Constantine were able to do on on Saturday, I, I'm slightly less worried. That said, um, I suppose they, were slight, uh, they are a different kettle of fish compared to an, an off-form Hibs team who, um, as usual, were, were flattering to deceive. And we're still waiting an update as well, as, we're, as you mentioned there, Mark, on uh, Sam Cosgrove. Um, so if he's going to be fit for it or not. Um, would you, if he's fit, would you start with Cosgrove or would you go with James Wilson? You've got to start with Cosgrove, don't you? I mean, if you look at the run that we've been on since the start of December, Cosgrove's featured heavily in that. So I think you've got to. Who's going to concern the Rangers' back line as well more? I think having Cosgrove there, Cosgrove and May kind of nipping about, niggling at them, that'll uh, that'll disrupt their back line. I don't think you would get that with Wilson. I think Wilson perhaps making the runs that pull defenders out, but um, I think Cosgrove would be the one to start with. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Cosgrove probably still just about deserves to start if he's fit. Um, I think that we can punish them in a number of different ways. Now, it might not pan out this way, but obviously Cosgrove definitely unsettled and contributed to the goal that we got against them at uh, at Ibrox. Stevie May was um, one of the reasons that we managed to swing the League Cup semi-final back in our favour. Uh, when he came on, we, we were just able to push that bit higher up the pitch and uh, stretch the game a bit more. So, um, and, you know, I think we've got players that can trouble them, that can concern them. Uh, you know, you're not blind to what they've got. I think one of the big differences uh, to, and I, I don't think he, I don't think he played in these games. I could be wrong, but uh, Scott Arfield's going to be back, and he's probably the closest they have to someone who can really orchestrate things from the middle. But we'll see. They've they've kind of gone more with a diamond formation the last few weeks to try and play both Defoe and Morales. Obviously, contractually, they've probably guaranteed both of them a start. You know, I, I would hope to try and get at them down the wings, which we were very successful at doing at Easter Road on Saturday. I wouldn't advocate it, but may, maybe we might see the uh, 3-5-2 again that we more or less employed on Saturday. It wasn't quite a straightforward 3-5-2. Certainly, by the end, it was much more traditional like that when Mackay Stephen and... Uh, Max Lowe as your wing-backs. So I just wonder whether we might see that at some point. And what do you think, Mark? Do we go at them, or do we sit and try and frustrate them like we did in the two wins in Glasgow, obviously one at Ibrox, one at Hamden? Um, 
I ask that, of course, because you know the home crowd. It's a different. It's different here. A home crowd. Would they really get behind a sort of sit in and frustrate kind of strategy? You know, we were outnumbered at Ibrox. We were outnumbered at Hamden. This is a bit of a different. It's a different atmosphere at Pataudry. Yeah, I, I don't know. What what do you do? Um, I've kind of alluded to the fact that I think we're we're a good team when teams are attacking us, and I think we can we can withstand most of the pressure that they will try and apply. Whether the Pataudry crowd will get behind us, like I'll paraphrase you, but parking the bus, I suppose. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be fine if we if we can win, you know. But like at the time, if the the, the players are, are working to a tactic that McInnes thinks is going to work, and that tactic is to sit in and frustrate, I don't even like saying their name. If, if it's going to frustrate them, then I think we'll be totally happy with that. I think if the, we have the players and we've done it before, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So maybe try and do it again. And I think uh, if there are a little bit of grumblings at Pataudry, then it'll be alleviated as soon as a winner goes in. Listen, I think everyone of a red persuasion in that stadium on Wednesday will want to not just win, but, but hammer them, destroy them, uh, oh, tear definitely. them apart with attacking football. But sometimes that's not always possible. I think, we, you know, we've uh, had a particular over the last few years of maybe underplaying their strengths. And clearly, with the amount of money they're spending on their team, they have some capable footballers in there. I mean, they're still being horrifically mismanaged by a guy who's a complete fraud, but... You know, with the budget they're spending, you would expect that they still have some capable footballers in there. So it's still going to be a struggle. I believe we can win. I believe we can win a number of ways. I, I believe we can win going at them, but I also believe we can win by, by sitting in and hoping, ta- hoping to take advantage of set pieces. And just maybe with a uh, second-choice centre-half pairing, that might be the preferred option. It's going to be difficult to sell that to a home crowd who are... Perhaps not the most patient at the very best of times. I think it's probably the the strongest team Rangers have had in their short history. And I still don't think they're any better than we are. So there's no reason why we can't go into the game on Wednesday believing we can win. We have to see what McInnes' tactics are going to be, though. If we are going to sit in, let's just see what happens, I suppose. Everyone in Pataudry will also forgive a parking the bus if we can scored a winner in the 90th because the beauty of it is really that the team talk's already been done the team talk was done back in August the 2nd uh, the class, that above. class above statement yeah. uh, I mean talk about a rookie mistake uh, that's to do that and then well three games a season they've not scored a legitimate goal against us not bad going for a team at a class above and uh, yeah, as you say there Martha nothing, nothing's obviously sweeter than knowing beating them I mean as much as we like the tears of of crying Hibs fans, there is nothing, nothing sweeter. Oh wait, I mean, you know, I called Hibs fans, you know, I said there's no delusion like a Hibs delusion on Saturday night, but frankly, that mob, you have to use a different scale to uh, to measure their delusion. So, um, just to puncture it, just to stop this chatter about a title race, which isn't going to happen, isn't going to materialise, even if they were to fluke it on Wednesday, it, it, for that and a million and one other reasons, there is nothing finer than getting one over them. But we win on Wednesday, there's a title race, right? I don't believe so. <laughs> there's got to be. You, I think we're too to... far back. I think we're too far back. I think the game that we lost against Celtic in December was that for us, because I, I cannot see Celtic being as negligent in the second half of the season as they were in the first half of the season. 
So no. No, I'd love are. to dream. I really would. And I can understand why people do because, you know, we're a decent team. We're a decent team. But, and it's not even the case now that we're, that we're just getting blown away in these big games. We're, we're actually, we're getting better at winning these tough head-to-head games. But you're up against a side that will be able to churn out victories. I mean, look at this afternoon. They were struggling and it was a very even game. And then they just cranked up a couple of gears and got the opener and that was kind of it. So fully focused, no European football every second week like they had in the first half of the season. Then I think it, it's very, very difficult. I think clearly if we'd beaten them at Pitodri, different story. I think the way the fixtures pan out, we've got to go there again before the split. You're looking at having to get a result there to keep yourself within any kind of striking distance as I said on here before, many, many times, we can only um, influence what we are able to do. 85 points is probably, I think, the maximum an Aberdeen team could get in a given season with a sort of budget. We're already not going to make that because of the points we've dropped in the first half of the season. 85 points in a good season might give you the title. And it's entirely possible that Celtic will end up on around about 85 points this season. Yeah, I think the best, the absolute best we can probably hope for now is probably about 78, 79. And that, that I don't see as being enough. I think if we win on Wednesday, obviously morale will be really, really high and we will feel that we can beat anybody in this league and go on a run of games that can get us very close. And rightly so, because dealt with a lot of what this league has to offer and uh, dealt with it fairly well, even when we've had a lot of injury problems, despite the fact it's only hearts that ever get injuries, apparently. Actually going up and, and closing that gap on Celtic, I think that's going to be a very, very tough thing to do. You obviously think differently, Mark, but... I don't think differently. I, I, I kind of I agree with you and I see your point. But I think this season, probably more than any other season during Celtic's seven in a row, teams are taking points off each other. And I think I've always thought that's what you need to do to be able to win the league. You need to have you need to have a Rangers taking points off Celtic. You need to have a Kilmarnock taking points off Rangers. You need to have Hearts taking points off... Who do they take points off? St Mirren. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I think that if there's a year that we could maybe have a push, then, then now is when we should be doing it. And I agree, we've, we've lost games against Celtic. We've dropped key points uh, along the road already. But it kind of falls into the argument as well that teams are capable of taking points off each other. So you're saying 85 points would be enough to win the league, but maybe not this year. Yeah, but I mean, Celtic traditionally have been getting a lot more than 85 is my point. And Celtic are Celtic are huge. You know, Celtic, like the budget they have, the players that they can buy, of course it's going to be a major, major shock if anything can happen. But points are being dropped across the board. Yeah, they are. They are. But we can only focus on ourselves. And I do think the damage that we've done to ourselves up to this point... You know, you could pinpoint the games at home at St Johnston, away at Motherwell. At home, yeah. At home at St Johnston was the one I had in my head. That's 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 the killer. And, uh, I mean, obviously, Kilmarnock early in the season, although there are mitigating circumstances to that. But uh, And the first half at Tynecastle, I mean, Tynecastle's not an easy place to go and win. That's Big Book of Clichés, page one. But the performance in the first we've been too likely in the first half of the season to just stick in a three out of ten performance and get absolutely turned over. Um, I hesitate to say it because, you know, who knows what might be around the corner. But I think there's a, there's a bit more of a steal in us since, since that run in December. Just a bit more togetherness, a bit more of an understanding about how your teammates might operate and how, how they work together and a bit more 
a bit more of a feel of a team about us who aren't going to necessarily throw in an absolute stinker. But as I say, you say that, and then the next game, you run the risk of it actually coming true. But And of course, again, we come to next season, and we know there's going to be a, a, a reasonable rebuilding job, whatever happens. I think, I mean, obviously, we still retain the very faint hope that Mackay Stephen and, and Shinny might, might stay on. But that's the struggle we're going to have to face, that each season we're going to have to bed in a couple of new players and potentially the first half of the season you're going to drop daft points. And that is that is what's happened this year. You know, like the, the, the assuredness that we have right now comes from McInnes knowing his strongest 11 now. Or, you know, more or less we've had the same 11. That's what gets you the results and you're, you're, you're totally right as well. So by the time next year comes around, we, we again, we have three or four replacements in key areas and then they have to bed in and you're taking your time to kind of to work out what your teammates are doing and you get to December, then you go on another run. You've already dropped the points that are key, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's probably no coincidence that the season that we started off with um, uh, eight straight wins, was it? Seven? Mm. Eight? Uh, it's probably no coincidence that the bulk of that team, you know, we hadn't lost at that point anybody that we wanted to, to hold on to. And yeah. we were just adding decent, good players to it. Like, we added Graham Shinney and we we added Danny Ward at the, uh, at the start of that season. So, Whereas now we're into a cycle where some of our best and some of our most important players for the last three seasons are going to be leaving at the end of the season. And, and you're having to replace not just parts of the team where it's possible you might be able to upgrade. There's no chance we're going to be able to get an upgrade in Graham Shinney. I'm sorry. All you can do is kind of bring in a young player and try and develop them to get them up to that standard of Graham Shinney. But we're not going to be able to get someone who, who can bring as much to the table as Graham Shinney can on the wages we pay. And that's it's depressing as hell, but it's where we're at in the uh, food chain. Yeah, hard to argue with that as well. How do you replace someone like Shinney? And he's really grown into that role as well of Aberdeen captain and in that... Uh, Cliche engine room uh, of our midfield, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah. How do you replace someone like Shinny? Maybe we won't have to. Well, we all hope that. Um, I think it's a a forlorn, forlorn hope, and it's one that's just eking out the agony. But obviously, we all hope that. So that's our show for this week. We will have uh, we'll have obviously the the live coverage on the Twitter feed of Aberdeen versus the Rangers and brother Bobby Madden on Wednesday. Um, <laughs> We'll be we'll be recording the next podcast on Thursday where we'll be reviewing that game and we'll also be looking forward to a cup game against our our former nemesis, who I shall not name. So only remains for me to thank our guest this evening. Richard, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. And likewise, Martin. Thank you. And it's great to have you back, Mark. Thanks again for coming back on. Thank you for inviting me, Martin. That's no problem at all. Uh, that's been your show for this week. All that can be really said is, can't wait for Wednesday, come on you Reds, heed first. Mm-hmm.